0: Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. This is the monster from the swamps, Regis Rugeru program. It
2: hey, was up. This is King Carlos Conina, former IBF world champ.
0: This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian, and your people's champ.
2: This is Charlie Edwards flyweight champion of the world
0: this is fast eddie chambers and you're listening to the box hard podcast with my main man joey coastman
3: hello everybody and welcome to episode 199 of the box hard podcast i'm your host joey coastman i'm joined this week by the heavyweight contender very good friend of mine mr michael hunter mike
0: welcome to the show Thanks for having me. I love being on Box Hard. <laughs> no, I really
3: appreciate Mike you filling in today. Obviously my my uh, my panel member couldn't be with me so two back-to-back weeks now we've had heavyweights take his place and uh yeah just I just want to thank you for taking part in uh, in this week's show. You're going to be with me for the duration so thanks in advance.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, I hope I can do just as good as your your partner and um you know, let's get this thing started. Yes,
3: very well said, Mike. Let's get underway. Uh, let's start with a review part of the show. We're going to start here at the Exhibition Centre in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. A card that happened here uh, last Friday. A couple of fights to mention on the undercard. Uh, I want to start really here with... Um, with, with Olympian Kez Ashfak, he picked up his 7th pro win, now 7-0. and It was a points win over 8 rounds against Sean Davis, now 14-4. and uh, Friend of the show, Robbie Davies Jr., he picked up his 19th win inside 20 fights. A 3rd round TKO against Michael Dufek, who's now 25-22 and 22 with 2 draws. Uh, Robbie Davies obviously there's there's a lot of you know bad blood seeming to brew now between him and Lewis Ritson, who also fought on the card and Robbie Davies is a real chilled laid back kind of guy he's been on the show a handful of times real nice guy you can't not like him and to see him completely lose his core and start swearing down the camera on live t v was quite shocking actually he He seems like he really does have some bad blood um, with, with, with Lewis Ritson. it would be a great fight should that happen. But um, Robbie Davies Jr., you know, he's been world-ranked for quite a while now. I think he's probably looking at bigger fights and stuff. But very interesting fight should he look domestically. That's a great fight there. Uh, also on the bill, we got to see uh, Sean McGoldrick. Very good amateur. He was searching for his 10th win. He was 9-0. and And he took on Thomas Osomba. Very tough guy. Um, Thomas Asomber actually boxed on your undercard, Mike, when you took on Bacoli. He was on that um, very tough, tough little guy. He actually pulled off the upset. He, he upset um, Sean McGoldrick here. He managed to pull out a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. Quite a close-ish fight, but very good win for Asomber. He's only His record's only 9-5, and five, but much better than what You'd you'd think looking at that record. Also on the bill, Jack Cullen seventeen wins now with one loss. Uh, he took on John Hardin Jr. I don't think John Hardin Jr. actually had too much notice for the fight. I think he only had perhaps a week or maybe two weeks. Uh, it was a bit of a shame because he lost his undefeated streak, his undefeated record. He's he's lost his 0. He's now 7-1 and one with one draw. He was down in the fifth round, and he got TKO'd in the eighth round of a scheduled 10. It was a fight there for the English middleweight title. Uh, John Harding Jr. walked out to the ring with Dillian White. I know that those guys trained together. A lot of people very surprised to see Dillian White in the spotlight a little bit there on the ring walk, jumping around after what's been going on with him lately. Uh, also on the bill, Lewis Ritson, he picked up the TKO in round three. He's now 19-1. and It was for the WBA Intercontinental super lightweight title. His opponent, Marek, oh, I'm going to struggle with this, Marek Jerzyzewski, I think I'm probably saying that wrong. I don't think he had too much notice. 14-2 going in. Now fourteen and three, he was down prior to that stoppage in the third round. And finally, Matram's new signing Martin Bacoli himself he returned uh, to the to, to the ring here. Obviously, he's had that one fight since losing to you, Mike. and here he took on um, he took on Italo Pereira, a guy with a record of eleven and four with two draws going in. It was a f- it was a knockout in the very first round there for for Martin Bacoli. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of it, Mike, but there's uh, there's a reason, there's seemingly a reason why he didn't seem himself when he boxed you. It seems like he's changed his mind a little bit, and uh, that was a Martin McCauley you beat that night, don't worry about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, congratulations to him, and hopefully he continues to win, and maybe... Uh... We can get a rematch going on. Ooh,
3: maybe, maybe, maybe. And finally, top in the bill, Anthony Fowler, former Olympian, um, nine and one going in now ten and one. It was a unanimous decision over ten rounds against Brian Rose, former world title challenger, now thirty-one and six with one draw. It was for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Middleweight title. Fowler was actually cut above his right eye in the ninth round. Like I say, it was a ten-round unanimous decision for Fowler, but I tell you what, I expected Fowler to get Brian Rose out of there within about two or three rounds, and I, I looked really bad, because I was telling everyone, yep, yeah, this is going to be an early knockout, it's going to be an early knockout, and I couldn't believe it went the distance, and more than that, I couldn't believe that Brian Rose's nose held up, I couldn't believe that Brian Rose was able to win multiple rounds, and it was actually a pretty close-ish fight, um, Fowler seemed to take over a little bit in the later stages, but um, it was a very, very close fight, going, going to the mid kind of point, and even a little bit past that um so yeah no disgrace there from Brian Rose he really did show up and you know perhaps he's not done which is shocking really because he, I don't think he'd beaten a, a you know a, a guy with a with a winning record for a, for a couple of years or something like that so i thought he was absolutely done or is is Fowler just not as good as what we perhaps thought he was you know him and Fitzgerald was a great fight let's not say it wasn't it was a great great fight um So, yeah, perhaps he's not as good as what we thought, or perhaps Brian Rose has got a little bit more left in the tank than what we thought. Hard to tell, but a good fight, and very competitive, a bit too competitive, really, for my liking. And, um, you know, seeing that, it's hard to think that Anthony Fowler will go on to become a world champion, but it is very, very early. We need to bear that in mind, and, um, you know, all the best to both men. They're both friends of the show, so... uh, Obviously, only one could win and one could lose, but it is what it is. Best of luck to both men going forward, for sure. Um, Moving out now, though, to the marquee in Falls Park, Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. Trying to kind of whiz through this pretty quickly. Few interesting fights on the bill. Firstly... Um, a very good prospect, Dennis McCann. He's been knocking everyone out. I mean, it was only his third fight. It was a six-rounder. I think he took about 30 seconds to get rid of Georgie Andonov. A journeyman, 5-15, and 15, now 5-16. and 16. But Dennis McCann, really, really impressive. Getting rid of his opponents in quick fashion. Also on the bill. Olympic bronze medalist Paddy Barnes picked up a win. Now 6-2. and two. Obviously, it's no secret he's had a very rocky professional career. He got in there against Joel Sanchez, who's now 4-7 and seven with one draw. It ended up being a points win over six rounds there. Uh, also on the bill... Uh we got to see Michael Conlan. He topped it. He picked up a win. Uh 12th round TKO. Sorry, not a twelfth round. He's twelve and oh now. It was a ninth round TKO of a scheduled ten. It was for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Featherweight title and also for the WBO Intercontinental Featherweight title. In the other corner, Diego Ruiz. Um I think he had a little bit of notice, but I don't think he got a full camp in. Obviously they were they were trying to get the rematch um uh, you know, from from the Olympics where Conlon lost to Nicotin. They couldn't get him to sign um, for that fight. I don't think he fancied it. So in stepped Diego Ruiz, tough, uh, brave guy, 21-2. and two, Decent record going in, but yeah, he wasn't really good enough for Michael Conlon. But a lot of people weren't too impressed with Michael Conlon. Um, this one, by the way, Mike, was on ESPN+. I don't know if you saw it at all. If you If you didn't see it, then... You don't really have to say much. Did you catch any of it at all, Michael Conlan?
0: No, I don't think I did. No problem.
3: No problem. No problem. Also on that card, Chris Jenkins got his first defence of his British welterweight title against Paddy Gallagher. Uh, Chris Jenkins, like I say, coming off that uh, that that great win, he really boxed fantastic at the Royal Albert Hall, I believe it was when he when he dethroned Johnny Garton. It was also for the vacant Commonwealth title. Uh, Paddy Gallagher sixteen and five going in. Chris Jenkins twenty one and three with two draws. It ended up being a technical decision after nine rounds. It was a bad cut over Jenkins left and he was also actually down in the in the sixth round very very close a uh, close fight i think all three judges had it exactly the same 86 to 85 so very very lucky was jenkins to hold on to his title it was a uh it was a kind of uh, worrying moment. Everyone in the ring, when you looked at them, they were all unsure. Everyone was a bit nervy, but the champion kept his, his his British title there. But the interesting fight on the bill, and this was a real shock for me here. Luke Keeler, a guy, I've said it many times, very, very talented fighter. Um, it reminds me a lot like Joe Kazagi, just similar styles and stuff like that. Um, He was really impressive here. I mean, I didn't give him a prayer in hell because he took on Luis Arias, a guy that had only lost to Daniel Jacobs. And when he took on Daniel Jacobs, I don't even think he... he, Don't even think he touched a canvas, but he was on the deck in the very first round, Arias, and he was also on the deck in the ninth round. Um, Keeler did have a point deducted for hitting behind, uh, hitting the back of Luis Arias's head, and also Arias had a point off for hitting on the break in the eighth round. So it was quite a scrappy kind of fight, but it ended up being a ten-round points win there for Luke Keeler. The referee judged the fight. He's now uh, seventeen and two with one draw, and Luis Arias. It's been a real bad run for him. I remember he was uh, undefeated for quite a long time. And now he's had three fights without a win. Obviously, the loss to Jacobs, the draw with Gabe Rosado. And now a loss here on the road um, over here in, in in Northern Ireland. So, uh, bad times really for Luis Arias. A friend of the show. I really like him. But I just, thought, I just thought that Luke Keeler boxed amazing, to be honest. I mean, there's so much to like about him. I mean... Fantastic punch picking we saw. His footwork was excellent. His movement, his elusiveness was great. His power was was surprisingly um, quite apparent, if you like. Um, the speed, the accuracy. He showed a great chin. He took some great shots off Arias, and he showed a good engine, Luke Keeler, because Arias was absolutely spent at the at the uh, you know at the the kind of end stages of that fight. Once again, Mike, I've got no idea if you. Um, Know too much about Arias, but I'm guessing he was he was at the uh in and around the Mayweather gym for quite a while. I'm guessing you've probably brushed shoulders with him at some point.
0: Yeah, actually, that's a good friend of mine. Uh, I did watch that fight, and uh, what, what's the guy's name? Keeler. Yeah, Luke Keeler. Yeah, he he did he did he did his job. You know, he looked well, and like you said, he had a good uh, punch selection. Uh, he fought. He even fought pretty good on. He was on the ropes, but he he picked his right punches and. Um, you know, it was a, like you said, it was a scrappy fight. You know, it was a lot of uh, elbows and, you know, kind of rough. But uh, he, you know, he bit down and did exactly what he was supposed to do. So I think it was about more about uh, his concentration more than anything that got him that win with Luis. Yeah, very well said.
3: And moving out now to the Bobby Miller Center in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, USA. Julius Indongo, former unified um 140 world champion. He he returned to the ring here. I think it's the first fight back since he got starched in two rounds by Regis Progre. Um in Dongo twenty three and two now. He returned with a second round knockout over Carl Tavias Jones Johnson. I really like that first name, Carl Tavias. Never seen it before, but he's now four and two. Um so yeah, in Dongo you know, some people writing him off. He's only lost to Crawford and Regis Progre. I mean, <laughs> he's obviously he's obviously got bundles of talent, a very tall guy for the weight, Southpaw trickster. And, um, yeah, he's certainly not done. Don't forget about him, even though he's he's out of all the rankings because he hasn't boxed, I think, for about a year and a half since that Regis Progre loss. Uh, moving out now, though, to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. I'm going to start over here with the undercard. Um, It's the final bill to mention as well, but let's go through it here. Um, I'm going to throw it over to you, actually, Mike. Curtis Stevens with a shock upset loss. Now 30 and 7. A third round TKO against Wow Amatoso, a guy I hadn't heard of if I'm being honest. He's now 28 and 4. Stevens was down in the first, second, and finally in the third round. Huge upset, like I say.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't actually get to watch the whole fight, but I did catch the end of it. Um, I actually know the, the other guy. His name is Lucky. They call him Lucky Boy, and uh, he, he works out at a Wild Card Gym. He's from that Freddie Roach, uh, you know, background. And uh, he's actually a very similar fighter to um, Curtis Stevens, you know, as far as, you know, kind of gritty and, you know, uh, they throw a lot of uh, hard punches. Um, you know, they have bad intentions. And uh, it was, I think it was a, a, a tough little fight in the beginning. I seen a little, uh, some highlights and, uh, you know, Curtis Stevens, he's, you know, he's getting older now and, you know, um, you know, he's been hit a few, you know, he's been down a few times in a lot of, his in a lot of his fights. So, you know, it might be a time to just th- start thinking about, you know, cutting it loose.
3: Yeah, like I say, his seventh loss there. And talking of him being knocked down, I'll never forget that highlight reel um knock down for Golovkin when his eyes rolled back and he was like, whoa, I just got hit by a truck. I'm, I'll never forget that. Um, also, on the Me bill, neither. <laughs> also on the bill, Adam Kalnaki now 20 and 0. Um, he he, got, he managed to score a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Chris Ariola. I said it on last week's show, I thought that this fight would probably end within a few rounds. I thought that I mean, I certainly thought that Ariola was going to show up and have a good go. Um, you know, he usually tries to pour it all in in, in in the early rounds, but it was shocking to see that he actually went 12 rounds and he didn't really slow down. I think Areola, um, I think he threw 1,125 punches, which, which actually breaks the record for the, the, the most punches um, thrown by a heavyweight in CompuBox's 34-year History, so shocking there from Ariola, but even better from Kaunaki, who obviously deserved to get the win, and um, you know keeps keeps getting these wins, Mike. Now,
0: yeah, uh, you know he's determined, he, and you can tell, you know, by the way he fights. You know, he keeps coming and he keeps throwing punches, whether he gets hit or you know he takes some good shots and he, and he gives them back. Um, it was that was an amazing fight to see those guys because I, I didn't. I didn't think it was going to go past the fourth round myself. And uh, they just, you know, they kept going and going and going. Even even when they, you could tell they were tired, but, you know, the punches kept coming. And uh, it was like they were fighting. It was like a mirror image of fighting uh, themselves. So, um, you know, I think they both enjoyed, actually, and very, were very comfortable uh, fighting that type of style. Um, it was just like tailor-made. But none of them really, uh, I feel like none of them really separated and got um uh, you know enough space to actually hurt one another they were kind of very close to each other and uh you know i gotta tip my hat off to Kalnaki and um he was actually the bigger guy by like 40 pounds that night and he was actually and he was also the most more active guy it was kind of like a, a you know like a little rat race and um Ariola was just slightly behind you know in every in pretty much every round I I, I kind of gave Kalnaki just the edge slightly so uh, it you know even though on the scorecards he probably won big but the fight um you know looking at the fight was much closer than what what the scorecards would have given yeah
3: yeah good assessment i mean um like i say quite impressed with Ariola to still be there in the 12th round he did say before the fight if he can't beat Kalnaki then he should give up boxing um I do I do want to ask you what you think he should do going forward, Mike, but firstly I just wanna say Kaunaki, when we actually look at it a little bit deeper, he's a real player now at heavyweight. I mean Look at the run of opponents he's had. Starting with Arta Spilka when he stopped him in four rounds. That was a huge statement. I thought Spilka would beat Kawanaki. So, you know, he beat him there. Then he took on Iago Kiladzi, a guy that you've boxed, Mike. He got the win over him, over um, Kiladzi, Six-round knockout. Then, of course, the Charles Martin fight. A great fight. Close fight, people forget. But a good name again. And then, of course, he, he got um, Gerald Washington out of there within two rounds. And now Chris Ariola um, you know, a fight which I thought would be a lot more one-sided. I thought that Kharunaki would get him out there early, but he's managed to put on a you know a fantastic uh, display of boxing. Well, not not so much skill-wise, but a complete war. You know, so he's he's got some serious names now, back to back. Credit to him. Um, but yeah, Ariola, should he carry on, or is
0: that enough for him? What do you think? Um, yeah, that's kind of a that's kind of a hard hard thing to do when you you know when you all you know is fighting and you know you've made some. Such a great career out of out of uh, you know doing what you love. It's, it's very hard to leave the sport like that. And uh, but he seemed, you know to have a good head on his shoulders and said he had to go to his family and talk. Um, yeah, it might be time to hang it up. He might have one more big fight in him. Uh, you know, because um, he didn't he you know he didn't he didn't buckle. He wasn't ever hurt in in, in the fight. So he's still a live dog. You know, um, I'm pretty sure that there's some some guys that he could give a lot more trouble to. And, um, you know, he probably, depending on, you know, what he wants to do with his career, he, um, you know, I guess you should talk to his team and, you know, and go from there. You know, it's kind of hard to um, tell a man what they should or should not do, um, especially, like I said, when they were um, so, so successful in a sport that they love. Yeah, Absolutely.
3: And uh, the main event, Marcus Brown, obviously defending his interim WBA World Light Heavyweight title. Also, the WBC Silver title was at stake. Um... Yeah, I mean, Brown was down in the 4th round, he was down twice in the 7th round, and they they had a head clash in the 8th round, and it went straight to the cards, a technical decision after 8 rounds, John Pascal managed to get the win, now 34 wins, 6 losses and 1 draw, Marcus Brown loses his O. um... You know, it's it's crazy, the, these cuts that are happening. Obviously, in Brown's last fight, we saw it against Badu Jack when Badu got one of the most grotesque cuts I've ever seen in boxing. And now, straight after that, the very next fight, Marcus Brown uh, gets a bad cut himself. So we don't like to really see that in the sport, but it happens from time to time, and it's... It's a big upset here because, again, Jean-Pascal, I think he actually retired for about six months and then came back. And, again, I just didn't think he'd he'd be able to win this fight. Um, I thought he'd probably be a, a little bit too small, a little bit too old, a little bit too shot-worn. I felt like Marcus Brown's activity, size, athleticism, power would just overrule anything, really, that that Jean-Pascal brought. Um, but, yeah, he's got that power, Pascal, and it seemed to get him through, Mike. What did you think of it?
0: I think that was a perfect assessment. I think you're not the only person that thought that, um, you know, Marcus was the more superior, more athletic, younger, hungrier fighter at the time. Um, but, you know, it's it's hard to beat, um, you know, that wisdom, you know, and that experience. Uh, you could tell that Marcus was, you know, he even in in the fight um, rounds that he, he got knocked down in, he seemed to be in control. He was very he was winning the fight. Um, it was just those two those three big um, knockdowns that played a big factor, and then the headbutt. You know, I I, I would have liked to see the whole fight uh, play out, um, but you know it was unfortunate that the headbutt uh, happened and they had to go to the scorecards. But you know Pascal, you know uh, very experienced. He's a live dog and um he's always gave everybody anybody that he's been in the ring with some trouble so marcus is a uh, olympic teammate of mine so i hope uh, they they do that rematch i would love to see see it again and uh, i think the fans wouldn't be mad to watching that fight again as well because you know there was a lot of exciting moments in there and uh, obviously for the knockdowns and uh you know uh he's a you know marcus he was a he's a true champion he got up in those in those rounds uh, to me, I feel like he was getting up a little too fast because, uh, you know, he got knocked down and he, and he jumped right up. He didn't even let the ref really give him a count. Um, and he kind of stumbled a little bit. But um, it would be very interesting to see the fight, uh, uh, the rematch.
3: Absolutely. And that is about everything there for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do, of course, is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated heavyweight contender. It is, of course, Mr. Adam Kaunaki. Adam, welcome back on the show.
4: Thank you for having
3: me on. It's always a pleasure, Adam. It truly is. So we last spoke back in January. It was just after the Gerald Washington fight. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about the, the recent win that you gathered on Saturday night over Chris ariola a points win after 12 hard-fought rounds. Talk us through the fight, Adam, because we, uh, we weren't lucky enough to, to have it televised over here in the UK, unfortunately.
4: <laughs> well, things. That, that, that but, uh, yeah, it was a tough fight. Ariola uh, was, I really think, in great shape. He came to fight, so I was very motivated because he said uh, if he lost that fight, he would retire. But uh, after it was like that, I don't know if he wants to retire. You know, we gave a great fight, and uh, he, he still has a lot of fight left in him.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you mentioned his statement there. Obviously, it's not for us to make the decision, but do you think he should carry on?
4: Uh, he, he had a tough camp. You know, and I think the. I don't know if he still wants to like train so hard. I mean, I know he gave everything he had in training camp, and then then in the fight. So uh, it's his decision, and uh, but he was he was worth in game. I think he'll be a lot of uh, he'll be a lot, he be he could still be a lot of heavyweight out there today. Yeah, for
3: sure. And like I say, his last fight kind of proved that to us. Um, yeah, so so you're now part of the uh, of the history, I suppose. That the fight, uh, there were so many so many punches thrown. Obviously, that the most punches ever in heavyweight history in a fight. Ariola managed to throw more shots than you, though, though, Adam. Which I'm not sure has ever happened before. Were you surprised by how active he was on Saturday night? Obviously, not everything landed, though.
4: Oh yeah, so like I said, uh, he was really uh, game. He meant every word when he said if he loses, he's gonna retire. And I guess he didn't want to retire, you know, because he gave us a, he gave me a great fight. I mean, and uh, but I was just as determined to to get the win and uh, prove that I'm, I'm a top top ten heavyweight.
3: And, of course, not many people managed to go the distance with you. I think the general feeling going into the fight was that you'd probably take Ariola out within the first half of the fight. Obviously, it was a very motivated Ariola, which we don't always get, to be fair. Um, were you disappointed, though, Adam, in any way that you didn't get the stoppage, or are you just happy for the win and the history it's made?
4: I think it was a great fight. So, I'm just happy not to be a part of a, such a great fight. I mean... Uh... I grew up watching Chris Ariola fight, so uh, being able to uh, go to war with him and uh, give probably many eyes. Some people said it was uh, the fight of the year, so uh, definitely uh, uh, excited about that. And uh, just continue, you know. And I, now I just continue to get better, you know.
3: That's interesting that you said that because I spoke to a heavyweight on last week's podcast, and he actually said he he sees you as almost like a young Chris Ariola. So it's, it's it's interesting to hear you say that you've. You've been watching him for a while now. Since we last spoke, since we last spoke, Adam, the majority of um, of, of, of the heavyweight world titles have changed hands, and the Ruiz Jr. upset the odds against AJ. Firstly, I just wanted to get your reaction to that and your thoughts on the rematch. Who do you think wins it second time around?
2: We well, have yes, to see, you know, uh, Ruiz pulled a huge upset win against him, and now uh, it's a heavy division, so one point changes everything. And uh, like, we, like you, you can never underestimate nobody or take somebody out because uh, a little extra motivation could take you a long way. So uh, I'm, I can't wait to see that fight, you know, as a boxing fan.
3: And of course, it was good to see you and Deontay sat down after your fight. You were next to Lennox Lewis as well, um, basically discussing what it would be like if you and Deontay were to get it on. We don't get to see that a lot, which which was pretty cool to kind of see that. Is that the fight that you're chasing the most? Is that the fight you want above all of the rest?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, just with he's, uh, I think he's a like top, the longest uh, regaining champion right now. So I think uh, that's the fight I want.
3: And I said it a few moments ago on the podcast to, to, to heavyweight Michael Hunter I said Adam is really putting together some big wins in a row now I mean Arta Spilka Kiladze Charles Martin Gerald Washington and now Chris Ariola it's a very very impressive and consistent run of wins there Adam I don't think anyone c- can overlook you now I think y- you've you've brought fantastic excitement time and time again in a row
2: Yeah for sure and I'm fighting the, you know the top names out there uh, apart from the champions uh like, I don't see like some of these guys that, that fought for a title. They didn't have this kind of resume that I have. So I think uh, the title shot is right around the corner. I just continue got to continue tra- training hard and uh, keep stacking up on these wins.
3: Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, you're, you're certainly earning it in my eyes at least. Um, when are you looking to, to box next? And it's obviously very early at the minute.
2: Yeah, probably uh, early January, I mean late February, uh, sorry, uh, late January, early February. Okay, okay, okay.
3: And Adam, what will happen now? How long do you spend out of the gym following this win or are you right back in already? What's the plan?
2: I'm not sure, so a couple of weeks off, definitely, uh, uh, you know, spend some time with my wife who's uh, due due, uh, August 29th, so... uh, So take some time off, but I definitely will be going back to the gym soon just to keep make sure uh, I don't let myself go too much. Excellent, man.
3: And obviously, again, it's very early, but have you got any kind of names that you'd like to fight in the meantime before this Wilder fight perhaps comes around?
2: Uh, No, still no mention of nobody. Right now, I'm just enjoying the win uh, and doing a lot of interviews. You know, I think my stock and my brand uh, really got big over this, this last fight. Especially with how exciting the site was. So, you uh, just got to continue doing that. And uh, we'll, we'll see soon, though. Uh, I mean, the heavyweight division is very high right now. And I'm happy to be a part of it.
3: And finally, Adam, have you got any closing words at all just for our listeners? I just want to give you a chance to send out a final message before we let you go if you have one.
2: Yeah, continue watching me. You know, as you watched uh, this Saturday, I'm very exciting, And um, I'm, I'm going to go to be the first uh, Polish born heavyweight champion of the world.
3: Very well said, my friend. Adam, listen, it is always a pleasure speaking with you. Congratulations once again on the win. I'm really happy that, that you're going to be a father, and uh, we'll we'll speak again soon, my friend.
2: Thank you. Shout out to my all my fans in the UK.
3: Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Uh, two things really to mention. Firstly, Frank Warren has announced... Well, both things are actually to do with Frank Warren. Firstly, though... Uh, Frank Warren has announced a card that will take place at the Royal Albert Hall on Friday, September 27th. That one will be shown live on BT Sport. We'll get to see Daniel Dubois coming off that brilliant win against Nathan Gorman. He takes on Ebenezer Tete. This one's for the Commonwealth Crown. Um... Ebenezer Tete, a fighter, a heavyweight fighter from Ghana. 19-0, 16 by knockout. A lot of people not too pleased really with this, this opponent because I mean I'm I'm being honest, I I'd, I'd never heard of him. Um I'm I'm sure you probably haven't either, Mike. It's you know, it is what it is. He's trying to get another belt. Fair play to him. Also on that card, we'll get to see Nicola Adams defend her WBO flyweight. World title. Obviously, she's been kind of like elevated to full WBO champion without really having a fight. But there's there's actually a fight that's happening for the IBF world title, and it's between two women. I think that fight's happening on August sixteenth, and I believe the winner of that will take on Nicola just five weeks later, which doesn't sound great preparation, but it is what it is. Um, I think if if the fight can't be made, then they've they've already got an opponent to step in um, and face Nicola. But it will be a defense of her WBO, um, WBO flyweight world title, obviously. Nicola Adams, a, f- a fantastic amateur, a double, I think she was double Olympic gold medalist, actually. Um, Billy Joe Saunders and Frank Warren have, have come to terms, and, uh, well, agreed terms, really, to, to split, which is quite shocking because, obviously, uh, you know, Frank Warren has, has been very loyal to Billy Joe over the years. Billy Joe, vice versa. I've been very, very loyal to Frank Warren. Almost had an unbreakable bond, it would appear. And, you know, things obviously change over time, and perhaps, I'm guessing, they have changed. But Billy Joe Saunders, I mean, Frank Frank always stuck by him. I mean, he is, even to this day, or he was, because they're now not together anymore, but he was the biggest thing that Frank had going on. I know that Frank's now kind of half involved with Tyson Fury. He's got kind of one side of him and, and uh, Bob Arum's got the other side. But he actually kind of grew with with Billy Joe. He took him from like area level to English level, I think, to British level, to Commonwealth, to European, all the way up to world. So he's done everything with him for his whole career, so it's it's quite a shock really to see him part ways, Um, it's good that there's no bad blood between them, it's it's an amicable split, and um, it's looking like he's going to probably end up signing with Matram, and I think that is probably what he's going to do, because that's, you know, there's only one other big promoter in the UK, you wouldn't have thought he's going to, you know, go, go somewhere else and have to emigrate or whatever, but if he goes with Eddie, then the door opens for a Callum Smith fight as super middleweight. The door opens, perhaps, for a Canelo fight because they'd both be on the zone. Uh, the the Andrade fight can can happen without the clashes between Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren. The fight couldn't happen before. Uh, Daniel Jacobs, another guy. There's many, many big fights, what I'm saying there, for Billy Joe if he does put pen to paper with Matram, So I can see him doing that probably in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, that's it for the news. Moving out now. Or well, moving over now to the preview part of the show, we're going to start here at the Marina Frapper Resort in Rogoznica, Croatia. Heavyweight Mark Damori, 36 and 2 with two draws, friend of the show. Um, he's an eight rounder, no opponent just yet. Um, Mark Damori likes to have a fight or two in Croatia, he, he likes to knock people over in Croatia. Decent fighter, Mark De Um I remember being there ringside though when David Hay almost decapitated him in, in his comeback fight after all that time off and um, mark Demory I've never told this story on the podcast mark De girlfriend very pretty lady it could even be his wife she is a bodybuilder so when he was knocked out unconscious they were you know they were over him with the uh, the oxygen mask and all that stuff she obviously wanted to get by his side so she was just Barging and throwing people out the way, and no one's going to mess with her because she's got bigger arms. And well, she's got big arms, believe me. Like, you're not going to mess with her, so not even the security could sort her out. She was throwing people out the way. Don't mess with Mark Damori or his lady for that matter. But moving out now to Mexico at the Salon Diamante premiere, we've got Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. 50 wins, 3 losses, and 1 draw. It is a fight here against Ever Bravo, 25 and 10 with 1 draw. Avert Bravo's a guy that's been in there with a few fringe guys and lost to all of them, really, so um, you'd expect if Chavez Jr. has anything left. It's been a long time since he's boxed, but if he has anything left, he should beat Bravo, but again, another wild card, really, um, Chavez Jr. I actually remember almost getting him on the show. He very rarely does interviews in English. And um, we were going to do an interview, and he was in a restaurant, and it was we were about two minutes into the interview, and, and he was in a restaurant in Mexico, and I could barely hear him because everyone's slamming plates down, knives and forks were going everywhere, tables were flying, and um, basically I couldn't hear him. So I said, I can't really hear you, Julio, and he went, alright, alright, I- I'll call you back after, and we never actually managed to speak again, so an interview that would have been quite something never even turned out to be anything, but... It lives in my memory. Also on that undercard, Jose Uzcategui. That's the guy, of course, that we saw in there with the uh, which Darrell brother? I think it was Andre Darrell. And then James DeGale vacated his belt rather than face Uzcategui. And then, of course, Caleb Plant got in there as the underdog and made him look a bit silly. Brilliant win there. Uzcategui, though, 28-3. and No opponent just yet there in Mexico. Moving out now, though, to the Leocora Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. Now, it was supposed to be topped by Carl Frampton, 26-2. and two. He's no longer on the bill. Um, firstly, he was supposed to be taking on... Who was it? Was it Emmanuel Dominguez? I think it was. I think it was Emmanuel Dominguez. Obviously, British fight fans knew Dominguez because he got knocked out in three rounds earlier this year in March by Jordan Gill, who has since lost his fight to a guy that we hadn't heard of. So... Everyone thought that Jordan Gill was a little bit padded, and this guy got blitzed by Jordan Gill. So we're seeing, or we thought we would be seeing Frampton take him on. We thought he would be one-sided, all the rest of it. Now, I'm not quite sure what happened with Dominguez, because on BoxRec it wasn't listed. People were saying the fights off and stuff like that. But then, apparently, the fight was back on, and it was all a bit confusing. But then, earlier today, because we are recording this show on a Monday, on Monday of Fight Week, Earlier today, Carl Frampton was sitting in the hotel lobby in Philadelphia. Someone bumped into a concrete ornament, and it fell and smashed into his hand. And now his left hand is is, is fractured, I believe, in two places. So the fight's off. Complete, complete bizarre. But it does happen in boxing. Boxing is bizarre. Um, not quite sure if the card is still going ahead, but if it is, then the main event, I'm guessing... Um, probably elevated up from chief support because the card wasn't really a strong card in my opinion, but Jason Sosa former world champion, 22 and 3 with 4 draws, he's in there uh, in a 10 rounder against Haskell Rhodes, who's 27 and 3 with 1 draw, Um, so like I say if the the card does go ahead, then that'll be the bill topper, and finally this one is happening in Texas at the Grand Prairie, we've got over here um, well, Hector Tanahara still undefeated 17-0 friend of the show he's in a 10 rounder against Ezekiel Aveles who is and 16-3 with 3 draws uh, Joshua Franco the professor 15-1 with 1 draw he fights for the WBA international bantamweight title and the NABF bantamweight title it's actually a trilogy it's the third fight here against Oscar Negrete 18-2 with 1 draw um, in the first fight the pair fought to a draw and then in the second fight Josh franco Franco won on points. And here's the third fight. So Josh Franco, a very good young prospect. Um, and topping the bill, talking of great young prospects, possibly and arguably the best prospect in world boxing for me. Virgil Ortiz Jr. 13 0. All thirteen by knockout. Um, you know, I remember in his last fight, I think it was he blitzed Maurizio Herrera, who I think actually deserved to beat Danny Garcia once upon a time on a card in Puerto Rico, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, in the other corner against Virgil Ortiz Jr., Antonio Orozco, 28-1. and His only one loss came to Jose Ramirez, who obviously um, got a brilliant win the other the other week against uh, Maurice Hooker. So if, if um, my... Fantastic prospect Virgil Ortiz Jr. can stop Orozco and do something that the champion Jose Ramirez couldn't because he went uh, the, the, the full 12 of him. I think he won pretty much every round. But if Ortiz Jr. can get him out of there, then that's a mega statement and it just beats the drum once again that Virgil Ortiz is almost a world-level fighter already. He's just been blitzing everyone. Um, I've flown through every everything there really, Mike. Um, anything you want to add to any of these fights that I've flown through? just there.
0: Um no, I, I there was a lot of them uh, that were kind of I didn't know and um some of those guys were yeah, I wasn't really aware about of them fighting.
3: No, that's that's no problem. Right, that is everything then. We've done part 1, we brought you the review part, we did the news part. Um Michael gave his assessment on the, the card from last week with Brown and, and Ariola and all the rest of those guys there. That's the preview part just done. So finally, before we wrap up the show, I'm going to bring in our second guest in a moment. But just before that, it's now time to say goodbye to Michael Hunter. Like I say, Mike, I really appreciate you helping out with this week's show. You are, you know this anyway, but just for the listeners, you are obviously a fantastic friend of mine um and you know i really just appreciate you for 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 doing this you're on the intro every week anyway so people do get to hear your voice every single week even when you're not here but it's brilliant to have you say a few more words um, on this week's show and hopefully we can do it again at some point in the future thank
0: you and thank you for having me it's been a pleasure and i'm glad i could fill in anytime you uh have any more space you know i would love to you know do my part so thank you so much
3: Excellent stuff. Okay, like I say, just before we wrap up part two, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBC super middleweight world champion. It is, of course, the undefeated Mr. David Benavidez. David, welcome back on the show.
1: Thank you for having me, Sharon. It's a pleasure to be on here. Um, I just want to thank you guys for all the support and um, you know inviting me to do this interview.
3: No problem at all. It's great to have you back, David. We actually last spoke in February of last year, so it's been quite a while. Um, at the time, you you'd just come off the 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 win over uh, Ronald Gavril in the rematch. Uh, since then, you've you've just boxed the one time. Obviously, it was against Jay Leon Love back in March of this year. You you destroyed Jay Leon Love to be honest. Just give us a quick few words on that win, if you don't mind, David. And what does that um, that win, of course, do for your career at this stage?
1: You know, it was just um, it was just a back a fight to get back where I was supposed to be at. You know, so I trained very hard for that fight. You know, obviously I was a champion in recess, so I just wanted to show everybody that you know I was back. It was an, under a big venue, with the, that had fifty thousand people. You know, it was uh, under an, uh, under a pay per view card, so it was a big opportunity for me. So I just went wanted- in. I had to do, you know what I, you know what I mean, and worked uh, and got a spectacular knockout.
3: And moving on to the next one, you're set to box Anthony Durrell, the new WBC world champion, on the Spence vs. Porter card in LA on September 28th. Obviously, this is your chance to win back the belt that you never lost in the ring. Um, what do you know about Anthony, David?
1: Anthony Durrell is a great fighter. I've been watching him for a while. You know, since I was. I think he's well, he's been pro for a long time. So I, I remember watching him when I was like nineteen years old. Him and his brother Andre, you know. So they're they're uh, they're tough, rugged veterans. You know, they have a lot of experience in the ring, and they have a lot of tricks. Uh, they have a lot of tricks. You know. Yes. Yeah, so, um, um, I'm working very hard. I'm I'm very motivated to get my belt back. So I'm training as hard as I can. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna get my belt back
3: and how does that fight play out i mean how how do you see it unfolding obviously you like to knock people to hell out and um, you know he's only got that one loss it was obviously uh, by by a decision a majority decision loss to badu jack a very good fighter
1: yeah you know um my motto, my motto is you know if i give if i give the fans a great fight you know i always want to give the fans what they want to see and that's knockouts you know, so I always train for knockouts, you know, I push I push my body to the limit every day. I work as hard as I can, you know, to you know, so I could exceed that and I could, you know, give the fans what they want to see. It doesn't matter who it is, you know. If it's a great fighter, you know, bad fighter, you know, I'm always gonna go in there and try to get the knockout. It doesn't mean I'm just gonna go in there, you know, not give the guy no respect. You know, I'm just I'm just gonna work as much as I can until I get the knockout. And I feel like Anthony Durrell He's a great fighter, but I see a lot of holes in his game, and I see a lot of a lot of things I can take advantage advantage of. Well, to me, ultimately, I can knock him out, you know. But if the knockout doesn't come, you know, you can't really knock everybody out. But if the knockout doesn't come, it's going to be an amazing fight, you know. So it's 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 going to be, be a win for the fans either way because it's going to be an amazing fight.
3: Do you know, you said something there that made me want to ask you this. You said there that you know you don't really go into fights with with no respect for your opponent and trying to take their head off kind of thing. Is that something that changed in between the two Gavril fights? Because obviously the first one, it seemed like you didn't respect him too much. You went in there. You know, there was a lot of people saying it was a close fight. I don't think it was. And then obviously the second one, you boxed beautifully and it was was as wide as it could have been.
1: Yeah, you know, um, because at this level, you know, toe-to-toe is not always going to get the knockouts. You know, the the thing that's going to get the knockouts is working the smartest and setting traps and making these fighters fall into the traps. You know, so there's always, there always has to be a game plan. You know, the, a game plan. You go in there with the game plan, and you do the game plan right, and then the job is going to come out perfectly, you know. So that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to outsmart these fighters, you know, because these fighters... A lot of them are older than me, so they're not expecting a young fighter to outsmart them. And not only can I outsmart them, I could outpower them. You know, I could outpunch them. And there's a lot of things I could do that you guys still haven't seen. You know, so I have a lot of tricks in my arsenal. You know, I've been working really hard. So I'm just, I'm just going in there. I'm going to break them down mentally and physically.
3: And do you believe that Anthony Darrell will be the best fighter that you've boxed as a pro?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I I feel like this is this is a better way to win for me to win the title because now I'm going in there and I'm taking away from the champion. You know, I'm not just winning a vacated belt. I'm going in there and I'm beating the champion. So this is another big opportunity for me. This is how I want to win my title again.
3: And Boxrec is is one of the most important websites in boxing, but their rankings are probably the worst in the world. You're ranked as the 18th best super middleweight in the world. Obviously, no one thinks that you're actually um, placed number 18. In my opinion you and callum smith are, are probably one and two um have you seen have you seen their bad rankings david it's a bit annoying at times
1: <laughs> no i mean i didn't expect me to be number 18 but you know it, it the people know the people know us you know the rankings where i'm at you know i'm i'm amongst the best of the super middleweights you know if i'm not top 5 then i don't know what they've been seeing lately but you know i've been in there i have put the work in you know i've never lost i've won a world title i've been the youngest super middleweight world title holder in, in history so you know, I feel like I deserve to be a little at least ten. I mean, I don't know about eighteen, but you know, i no, at, at least getting At least
3: three, man. Not even yeah. ten.
1: <laughs> at, least, at least, but I mean, you know, I'm getting these opportunities, and and I'm and I'm you know, I'm working as hard as I can because those are the type of fights I want. The fighters I want to fight. You know, the Anthony Darrells, the Callum Smiths. You know, hope maybe Canelo Canelo Alvarez in the future. This is a lot of great fights to be a to be made, and I'm very blessed to be in this position right now.
3: And of course, if you get the win September 28th and become an undefeated two-time super middleweight world champion, what do you plan to do next? Do you plan to, you know, unify? What's the plan? Have you fought that far just yet?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously I want to unify I only want to unify the titles. You know, um, there's there's Caleb uh, Plant, is is my promotion company too, with PVC and Al Heyman. Caleb Plant, um obviously there's calum smith so uh, i just want to i want to fight the best fighters and that's the bottom line so you know after i am going to take care of this fight and then i'm gonna go back into the drawing board talk to my promoters talk to my managers and then we'll see what what what's the biggest fight we can make you know um, obviously that's their job to to figure all that out but i really do want to fight the best because i want to prove to myself and to my to my people and to the fans of boxing that i'm the best super middleweight in the world
3: and again should you win that and, and you regain the title, it really sets up some fantastic fights if these unifications can be made. Because off the top of my head, I can't think of another weight class where all four of the champions will all be undefeated. Obviously, you mentioned there Caleb Plant, you mentioned there Callum Smith, obviously yourself, should you regain the belt. And then the guy that you didn't uh, didn't include, Billy Joe Saunders, is that a fight that interests you?
1: yeah i forgot that i just i didn't realize i forgot that billy joe sanders just recently came up well yeah that right there billy joe sanders is is one of the best fighters you know and to come out of england you know he's a he's an amazing fighter and you know like i'm saying like especially to fight if to have an opportunity to fight billy joe sanders there's all these amazing guys to fight and you know i want i want the best competition out there
3: if you could have it your way um, I'm guessing you'd probably fancy the Caleb Plant fight the most if, if we put politics to the side and promotional companies to the side. Which, which fight of those three guys there uh, most kind of gets you excited?
1: You know, that would definitely be one of the fights, the top fights I want to get, you know, Caleb Plant. Um, you know, and this is just like speaking as a dream because I don't know if he's going to go up there, but if we could get a fight with Canelo, that would be a dream come true. But I don't know if he's, if he's going back up to 168 because he vacated that title the interim WBA so you know so it'd probably be Caleb Plant maybe Colin Smith and down the line Billy Joe Sanders those all be amazing fights to make happen they
3: certainly would and uh just finally David as as, as I always do I, I just want to really give you an opportunity if you've got any kind of message that you want to send out to your UK fans they don't always get to hear from you it's great to have you back on the show any closing words for your UK supporters over here
1: you know, I just want to thank all the UK supporters that have been supporting me. You know, I know I have. I don't have too much of them, but I, the ones that do, do support me, it means a lot to me. You know, just from another country. You know, I'm I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. I never thought I'd have, have fans over there, and I'm just very blessed and uh, very fortunate to have you guys as fans. You know, I really appreciate every single one of you, and thank you so much, and it's a blessing to have uh, all of you as supporters.
3: Listen, David, it is always a pleasure speaking with you, my brother. Thank you so much for your time, and best of luck for September 28th. All
1: right, thank you, sir. Have a nice night.
3: Okay, and this wraps up episode 199 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Heavyweight contender Michael Hunter has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests this week. Obviously, the heavyweight contender Adam Kownacki and the undefeated former WBC Super Middleweight World Champion David Benavides. A few pieces of news have broken whilst we've been recording the show. Devin Haney will now be boxing on September 13th in New York against Zohar Abdalayev. Somebody's must go there. That's a brilliant fight there. Also on that card, our very own Michael Hunter. He finally gets his date with Sergei Kuzmin. It's finally penciled in. Daniel Roman boxes who um is is a 2016 Olympic bronze medalist. That card is really shaping up to be quite something special there in New York. Um, Josh Warrington will defend his IBF world title at the first direct arena in Leeds against Sofiane Takuch, um, a French guy with quite a padded record. It's arguably the worst world title defence in recent years for a champion, but if anyone deserves a little soft touch for a while, it is Josh Warrington after some brilliant fights back-to-back. Also on that undercard, we'll get to see Zelfa Barrett take on Jordan McQuarrie. Obviously, McQuarrie boxed Archie Sharp a few weeks back. He would have then boxed Archie Sharp, Sam Bowen and Zelfa Barrett. It'd be interesting to see who he thinks is the best of the bunch. Also, Frank Warren has announced a card at the York Hall for September 14th. Sonny Edwards will box Hugo Guarneros, um, and also, Brad Foster takes on Lucian Reed. That's a great, great fight there. Dex Spellman takes on Shekan Pitters. And most excitingly, in my opinion, Zach Celli boxes Cody Davies. So, a wicked, wicked little small hall show there. The most expensive ticket is only £60. So, there's no excuse to not be there. And finally, Sam Eggington will box Orlando Fior di Giglio in Italy. The Italian has a record of 31 and 2. But like most Italians, he's always warm because he's very very padded his two losses have been when he stepped up to European level so let's all get behind Sam Eggington for this one but that is about everything from me thank you so much for listening to this week's show tell a friend to tell a friend to leave us a review and we'll be back next week for sure